Hi friends and welcome back to another episode of the Sunny and 65 podcast. I'm your host Maddie Schultz and today we are joined by one of Alex and I's absolute best friends, Caleb Polensky. I left this conversation so spurred on and encouraged and I'm praying that the same happens with you. Enjoy! Caleb and welcome to the podcast. Hi, it's great to be here. I'm really, really excited for this. So just a little bit of background on who Caleb is to me personally. Caleb is very, very special to our family. Um, He is one of Alex and I's absolute best friends. Him and Alex were teammates in college together. He helped lead Alex to Christ. He was a groomsman in our wedding. He is the godfather of my son Xander and him and his wife Alyssa we call lifers because we are friends slash family really for life. So yeah, Caleb, I'm really grateful to have you on. Really, I just want you to start out by just telling us about the story of you and Alex and how you became friends and yeah. you got a lot to share about that. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Well, first of all, thank you so much for the, the kind introduction. Uh, uh, it could go on and on and on about how much you guys mean to me and uh, now my wife, Alyssa. Um, it's uh, it's a true honor to get to be one of your guys' best friends and you're the son, they're the, the, the godfather of your son. And uh, uh, it's cool to be on 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 the podcast today because i know god's going to use you and use this in a, in a really awesome mm-hmm. way so it's special and it's an honor to be here Thanks. um uh yeah alex uh how how him he and i met uh uh we were uh, teammates at uno uh university of nebraska at omaha playing baseball together uh, i was a junior and uh, alex was a freshman and uh it it wasn't uh, all that smooth to be honest at, at first. Uh, I, uh, Alex, for anybody that knows Alex, uh, or maybe met Alex a little bit later on in life after he became a dad, he, Alex was a little bit more aggressive and, uh, assertive, uh, especially on the field of competition. Would, would arrogant be a good one? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if, I don't know if too many, uh, baseball players or college athletes can be good if they're not arrogant. So, <laughs> Uh, and I certainly was one when I was on the field too. So, uh, yeah, Alex, Alex thought very highly of himself and, and rightly so <laughs> he, he, uh, he was a, a three sport all stater in in Sioux Falls from what I hear, uh, basketball, baseball and football and, and, uh, was highly touted. So, um, you know, he, uh, uh, he came in as a freshman and, and wasn't scared, which, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I was probably a little, uh, territorial and was like, no, this is, you know, this is my team. I'm, I'm one of the captains or whatever. Mm-hmm. I specifically remember the first interaction I remember with Alex, uh, I was at shortstop, uh, taking ground balls just during practice. And he was, uh, in the third base dugout and he was chirping and made some comment to me. And I, I honestly, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even know what his name was yet. Uh, it was, it was kind of, it was one of those like pre fall practice okay. practices where people were, it was like open practice. Yeah. And, uh, I, I kind of looked to my over my right shoulder. And I was like, "Who is this kid?" I was like, "Who does this kid think he is?" Um, so a uh, little little rocky start, but um, you know, and I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit. But uh, I uh, one thing that I did um, growing up uh, playing in high school and uh, in college is I would uh, I would pray over the roster uh, and just ask God like, "Hey, who do you want me to really go out of my way to?" invest in and, and, and be Jesus to, um, you know, Paul says that we're letters of recommendation on Christ's behalf. We're the epistle that the world reads. Uh, um, and so, um, 
my prayer was that God would use me in that way to my teammates. And uh, unfortunately, one of those kids was Alex, <laughs> or at least I thought, unfortunately, before I really had a chance to meet him. Uh, it was pretty obvious after two or three practices that this kid was somebody that God was really pressing mm. uh, on my heart to to minister to and just, just like I said, be Jesus too and be be a walking epistle. Uh, Andy Minio has a has a song. I don't remember what the title is, but one of the lines goes, uh, "We're the only Bible that they they'll ever read." Mm. And so wow. um, that's really who I tried to be to my teammates. And uh, you know, uh, that's that's kind of how God used me. Uh, certainly, I I planted and watered, but God gave the growth, just like Paul says about him and Apollos. They, you know, one man plants, another one waters, but God gives the growth. So I was just faithful with God called me to. And, um, so that's kind of a, a short story, uh, on how we met and kind of how things got kicked off. So, yeah. And I didn't even know that story until after Alex and I had, I didn't know the story about you praying over your roster and the Lord totally pressing your heart, pressing Alex on your heart until after we'd gotten married and you shared and preached at the call or at the high school ministry at good news church. Oh wow. And you invited us to come listen. And oh my gosh, I'm just in the back. It just weeping in tears at Caleb sharing how he was faithful and he prayed over the roster. And I remember you saying in your message that you were giving the last guy you wanted God to put on your heart was Alex. And that's who the Lord put on your heart. And I mean, just the way that, I mean, that, that's changed my life. And Caleb and I always joke that we, that Caleb alley-ooped it to me for the dunk for Alex. It's true. To... <laughs> one man sows, another man reaps. Uh, and in this case, Maddie reaped in, a, in an awesome way. Yeah. So we all I, reaped. Praise God. Oh, honestly. So it just makes me emotional that, yeah, you were a faithful 21-year-old boy, man, like that's crazy. And now my husband is following Jesus and you are one of our best friends and have such a huge impact on our lives. So we are eternally grateful for Caleb. And that's just the kind of guy that he is that will get more into that too. But okay. Tell us about yourself, um, background on you, wife, family, job, when you met Jesus, um, yeah, what what should our listeners know about you as we dive into this conversation? Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. Um, I uh, I'm the oldest of five kids, so I got this older brother kind of attitude and protector type of leader type of uh, burden, I guess, so to speak. Um, the 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 three siblings right below me are all boys, and then my youngest sibling's a girl. So um, grew up in a very very competitive and athletic family. Um, uh, all three of my younger brothers played college baseball. One of them still playing professionally in the Yankees organization. My sister uh, plays college volleyball at Iowa Western. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad played college sports. My mom, uh, I think she just wanted to be a mom. So she, uh, <laughs> and she killed it. Yeah, she, yeah, she did. Uh, and speaking of that, I, uh, a lot of people are a little surprised to find this out after knowing me a little bit. Uh, me and my whole family were, were homeschooled growing up, uh, until high school, uh, so, uh, I'm sure that once people find that out, it makes a little bit of sense with some of the, <laughs> with some of the awkwardness, but, uh, uh, no, I, I think we turned our, all right. We don't have all of the mm-hmm. homeschool stereotypes in us. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, uh, went to, went to public high school though. Uh, and that was so that we could play sports, uh, if we're being honest. Um, 
and, uh, you know, I thought I wanted to, I thought God was going to use me and, 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 uh, use me to be a coach. Uh, my dad was a coach at least part-time, uh, but my dad still coaches, um, even now, uh, he was a firefighter full time. Um, but, uh, I, I thought he was going to use me to coach. So I actually, uh, after I got done playing baseball, went up to, uh, the university of Mary in Bismarck, North Dakota, and was a graduate assistant there. And, um, boy, you, uh, you talk about God orchestrating your circumstances to, uh, turn you around. I mean, I'm not going to go as far as to say it was a Jonah, Jonah type of situation, but, uh, it was pretty clear. Um, I pretty much hated every second of it and, uh, just never really felt God's hand of favor and peace on the whole thing. So, uh, I came back and now I work at Builder Trend. It's a software company. And, uh, you know, when I first started working there, um, I was kind of offended. Um, uh, like, you know, God, why, you know, I always thought that you could use me in the field of baseball and a coach and all this. And now you got me sitting on a, a computer at a computer desk in front of a screen all day. And, uh, uh, you know, sometimes I forget this, but he, he said, you don't get to tell me what, how I'm going to use you. Mm. Um, and we don't, we don't get to tell God how he's going to use us. Mm. Uh, all we can do is make ourselves available. So, uh, God has used me, um, and many of the leadership things that I've learned at Builder Trend, I've now been able to run a team for over two years there. I've, I've taken a lot of the lessons there and I, I now use a lot of those, in leading uh, the small group ministry at my city church, um, uh, um, grew up grew up in the church. I should probably rewind my church life a little bit. Um, grew up in the church. Uh, obviously, a homeschool family. You kind of get that sense, but <laughs> I never felt sheltered. Um, my 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 parents did a great job of raising us, both in the house of God, but also uh, to be in the world, but not of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, it's a hard it's a hard question for me to answer. Uh, when I'm asked, you know, when did you meet Jesus or when did you give your life to the Lord? Um, so on and so forth. I honestly, I don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, growing up in high school and college, I felt a little insecure about that. Like Mm -hmm. I don't have this amazing testimony, but, uh, um, I, I, my freshman summer, I got a chance to play baseball with athletes in action in Xenia, Ohio. It's a, uh, campus crusade for Christ ministry. And, uh, one of the guys, this is probably the most impactful thing from that year, one of the guys said while we were developing our testimony, which is one of the first things you do when you show up, he said, now some of you might be sitting here and thinking to yourself, uh, you know, I have a boring testimony. Nobody's going to want to hear about, you know, my life because I didn't, you know, get set free of a drug addiction or, you know, whatever. Um, you know, God didn't rescue me out of jail. Uh, he said, uh, he said, my wife's pregnant and we're going to have our first, our first son in a couple months. And I would want nothing more than for my son to say someday that I have a boring testimony. Mm. Um, and so that, uh, I don't even remember what that guy's name is. Uh, wow. and that, that's, that stuck with me, uh, so much. And so, um, for me, my, my testimony is a lot more like the older brother of the prodigal son. Um, the, the spiritual older brother, the, 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 the Pharisee who's confronted with my self-righteousness and religion mm. every single day. Mm. Um, so I don't have a come to Jesus moment, but, uh, um, thank God for that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and then the last thing on there, uh, my lovely wife, I, I didn't meet her until about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now. Um, uh, wow. which is, which is awesome. <laughs> uh, I was 20, about to be 27 when I met her, she was 28. Um, so we were both a little older and, 
um, she's amazing. Everything I ever, I ever, I ever prayed for. Mm. Um, um, more. Oh my gosh. We'll, we'll talk about her later, but yeah. my goodness. One, one of my buddies at, at my city, he, he, uh, he came up to me on my wedding day and was like, he's like, dude, I'm so mad. And I'm like, why? And he said, uh, he said, dude, when we, he used to work at, he used to work at Builder Trend with me and we used to sat, sit, sit next to each other every day. He goes, he said, uh, man, we would have talks at Builder Trend about, you know, what you're looking for in a wife. He's like, there are, there are all these girls that go in, you know, at my city. Why don't you ask one of them out? And he, you'd always tell me what you're looking for. And I'd always sit there and be like, man, you're, you're describing some unrealistic girl. <laughs> and now here you are and you freaking married her. Oh my <laughs> so, goodness. Um, yeah, so I don't know. True. Praise God. Uh, she's, uh, she's incredible. So we've been married for uh, eight, nine, 10 months or so, January 25th, 2020. So that was, that was a fun day. Yeah. Thank God it was right before COVID. <laughs> Amen. Honestly. Yeah. What are you passionate about and what are some of your hobbies? Oh man. What am I passionate about? Uh, well, I'm passionate about competing. I'm a passionate, I'm passionate about athletics. I think that, I think that athletics are, one of the greatest tools that God's given us. Paul says, uh, you know, physical training is, is of some value. Um, uh, one of the other things I like to do is garden. Um, the physical realm of the way things work, the way you, you know, Jesus talked about planting and sowing and reaping a lot. Uh, it's interesting how many spiritual principles there are when you have to water your garden every day and you got to pull weeds and, uh, you do a lot of things that go unnoticed for a really long time. And then boom, all of a sudden August hits and you're, you're picking tomatoes off the plant like crazy sports work the same way. Um, and, uh, they just, they, they teach us a lot about the way life works. They, they teach us a lot about the way God works. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and, and so, um, I'm passionate about, uh, that certainly, um, I'm passionate about, um, well, I'm certainly passionate about God's word. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh, and handling, handling the word of God, uh, the word of truth, uh, appropriately. Second Timothy 2.15 says, um, uh, present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Mm. Um, and so, uh, proper, uh, use of scripture is huge for me and I love teaching it. I love, uh, embodying it. I love talking about it anytime I, I get a chance to. So our, um, spouses, well, mostly Alyssa. I love, I love you, Alyssa gets, uh, not annoyed wouldn't be the right word. She gets more annoyed with Caleb, not necessarily with me, but whenever we get together for dinner, Caleb and I just want to talk about the Bible and I just want to hear Caleb talk about the Bible. That's mainly <laughs> it. And we just want to converse about it. And Alyssa is always like, Caleb, can you wrap it up? Because, I mean, Caleb will talk forever because he's so passionate about God's word. But it's comical to see our spouses get together and Caleb and I are just going back and forth, firing off about um, some, some scripture, some something we learned. And, and, our, and our spouses are like, can we talk about how our week was? Yeah. <laughs> they, get, they get, no, they, they love it. But. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I love to talk about the big things. Yeah. Um, uh, what else am I passionate about? I'm, I'm, and what are my hobbies? Uh, you know, I spoke to it a little bit. Uh, I, I love, I love yard work. Uh, I, I know it's a cold take, uh, pun intended. I love shoveling snow. Uh, so I, I love working hard outside. Uh, I love, I love working out. I love testing myself mentally and physically. Um, and, uh, I, I, I've always, I've always kind of wanted to, um, I've always kind of wanted to be this kind of jack of all trades, so to speak. I've always wanted to study God's word. Like I'm a pastor. 
I've always wanted to train myself physically like I'm still an athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always wanted to train my mind like I'm a teacher. Um, and so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm super passionate about um, and I'm super passionate about building people and leading a team uh, and seeing others succeed. I think that's why I wanted to, why I felt this call from God to coach. Um, Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, it's certainly more blessed to see somebody that you coached succeed mm. than it is to, you know, work really, really hard yourself and then, you know, surpass that milestone. Uh, don't get me wrong. It's really fun to surpass a milestone yourself, but it's way more rewarding when, when you've, when you've built somebody, you've coached somebody to the point where, where they, uh, reach that milestone that they've been pushing for. So. And even just how you're saying you love building people, building a team, leading a team and just coaching. Caleb is that friend that we get a text once a week in our spouses and us for our group chat, um, of a hard question he's pondering and he wants to call us up and, and chew on it and ask us to, if we're pursuing Christ in this area of our life or in this area, he is the true iron sharpens iron that he is always thinking of us, texting us scripture, um, asking us the hard questions because he loves us and cares for us. And he wants to see us, um, living our fullest life in Christ. And so, yeah, he truly, and don't even get me started on competitive. You do not want to play games with this dude. It is all business. And <laughs> my wife hates me. Oh my goodness. When we were dating, she was like, boy, I don't know about this. <laughs> now she stuck with me. The games are where she drew the line. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So take us back to being a college athlete. And you were arguably to me, one of the most disciplined college boys in their faith I had ever met. Um, so what did living on mission as a baseball player in college look like for you? And you kind of shared a little bit about that, but share a little bit more. And what encouragement do you maybe have for other athletes? Um, maybe one struggling because they're the only person on their team following Jesus. Um, yeah, I'm sure that you can speak into that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think, I think that, uh, first of all, with discipline, um, and I, I didn't have this definition until honestly, probably within the last year, but, um, there's a difference between discipline and habits. Mm. Habits are things that we end up doing kind of subconsciously mm. on accident, right? We wake up in the morning and we look at our phone or we wake mm. up in the morning and we drink, you know, grab a, a drink of water. Um, we, you know, when we get in the car, we adjust the rear view mirror. When we, you know, put our socks on, we immediately look for our shoes, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Disciplines are purposed pro and pre-programmed habits mm. that we, they're habits that are created on purpose and for a purpose. Habits kind of passively happen and, and become reality. Disciplines really happen because we pre, you know, predestined them to, mm-hmm. to so to speak. Um, so, uh, in terms of discipline and, and you use that word in the question, uh, um, it, it, it was a choice that I made, um, you know, really when I was in high school, I, I was in, uh, uh, the, the lead pastor at my city church now is, is pastor Jesse Norman. He was my, he was my youth pastor in high school and, uh, he was very, very, very firm and, and great with bringing people up in spiritual disciplines mm. and not just, but not just doing that, but using that to make a difference in the world around you. It's funny. That was 10 or 12 years ago and he's still doing the same thing now. It's cool. But, but that's, that's what, like, that's what, that's what making disciples is all about. Like we don't need to get fancy. Um, you know, uh, 
you know, in the sports world or the music industry or whatever, we're always looking for the the newest and the biggest and best thing. Mm -hmm. That's, that's how God's word is different than all that. You don't need to dress it up. It's, and there's no, there's not any new methods and whatnot. It's all, it's all how it's always been. I'm I'm getting off track. Um, so, so I, 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 I made the decision as a high schooler that I was going to make a difference in my teammates. I, I really felt like my mission field was my teammates. Um, and so how, how did I make sure that that happened? Well, every single day I woke up and I, and I read God's word. Um, Tim Keller talks about, uh, in his book, the meaning of marriage, uh, the difference and kind of the, the dichotomy of desire and duty. There's going to be days when you wake up and you look at your spouse and you're just like, man, I really desire you. There's going to be other days where you wake up and you're like, mm-hmm. boy, I just don't feel it, but it's my duty. And I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. And that, that's one of the beautiful things about how God's used marriage is, uh, you know, and this goes back to gardening and, you know, training physically. You, you see that, that, that physical truth principle and it applies spiritually. There's days when you wake up and you don't feel like reading your Bible. Yeah. There's days when you wake up and even when you read your Bible, you're gonna be like, man, I don't know what on earth I just read, but I just did it. And that's, that's good. Uh, it's, you know, and th- think of it this way. Uh, when you call your mom or you text your, your sibling, it's not always going to be this mountaintop moment. Sometimes it's just, Hey, I'm here. Yeah. Like, Hey, how you doing? Um, and, and that's how your relationship with God ought to be. So, Mm. um, you got to make that decision. Uh, and that starts just like any discipline does small, but consistent. Nobody, nobody wakes up and squats 500 pounds. Mm. They start by, honestly, they start by waking up one day and warming up. Yeah. And then they start using, you know, they get under the bar once and then they continually add weight. Um, and so it was something that started early on. Uh, I knew that I had to be good with, I had to be, I had to be right. I, I don't say this religiously, but I had to be right with my relationship with God. Um, mm-hmm. if I was going to ever be, you know, help anybody else be right in their relationship mm-hmm. with God. Yeah. Um, there's a saying that goes, um, you know, if you want to make God famous in the, in, in the public place, you got to make him famous in your secret place. Wow. You know, how did I use all that? This, you know, this, this four or five or six years of being in high school and maybe junior high leading to college. Um, well, I, I continued that. Like I said, I, I prayed over the roster every morning. There, there, my freshman, I think it was my sophomore and junior year, most, more so every morning I showed up to the locker room early and this, we weren't a typical team in the sense that everybody hung out in the locker room. It was pretty deserted oftentimes. So I knew nobody was going to be in there. I showed up 20, 30 minutes early to, to campus and I, I just walked around the baseball, the baseball locker room and was praying, Mm -hmm. um, for the, for the team. Uh, but, um, it's, it's not good enough to just, to just pray. Uh, pastor Jesse said very early on in my, when I, when I was in his youth ministry, be the answer to your own prayers, Mm. be the answer to your own prayers. Um, and so if you're going to pray for your, for your teammates, you know, the people around you, coworkers, classmates, if you don't do anything about it, then they're, the, the prayers don't really mean anything because you're, you're, it's, it, you know, God doesn't do anything on planet earth unless it's through his people. Very rarely does God sovereignly intervene, you know, and, and the law would call it like an act of God, right? Lawyers, when lawyers get involved, every once in a while there's a clause that says, you know, unless it's by an act of God, um, that's unexplainable. God, God does that every once in a while, but boy, that's rare. He, he chooses to partner with human beings. Mm. And when, when, when you're, if you're the only Christian that this guy that you weren't at work next to or that you, you're on a team with, 
Uh, if you're the only Christian that's in that person's life, who else is going to tell them? Yeah. Who else's job is it? It's 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 downright disrespectful to the Lord to pray, God, would you reveal yourself to them? Would you, Holy Spirit, would you draw them to you? You know, God, would you give them a dream about you? Give them a dream about Jesus. And God's like, I put you, I put you right there. What do you think you're there for? Um, yeah, wow. So it's uh, if 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 prayers are not coupled with holy activity, and uh, and whatnot, then then you're just you're honestly you're kind of spitting in God's face with when, when you talk to Him. Mm. You've got to do something about your prayers. Wow, that's so. really good. How has the Lord changed you from five years ago to today? <laughs> uh, well, uh, five years ago I was. Uh, I think that was, I think that was right when I got done coaching baseball, uh, or no, I was, oh, I should have done eight. Yeah. Yeah. We can go, we can go eight. <laughs> go, go eight. How, how has the Lord changed you since college? Yeah. Uh, I've certainly grown more patient. Uh, if there's, if there's a, if there's a word that I could use to describe the season up in North Dakota, it's patience. Head coach that I worked for was a tough, tough guy to work for. Super disorganized, very unclear. Um, Hopefully he's not listening. Yeah, this. no, I, I, I still, I still think the world of him. He, you know, a great man, uh, great husband, and and has a great family. It was just very, very challenging for me, mm-hmm. um, to, and so uh, very, very. Um, don't pray for patience because God will, God will, <laughs> God will find a way to give you patience. Uh, actually, I read this morning that you should pray for patience because uh, trials and tribulations are going to come, and those are a good thing, as James says. So anyway. Um, uh, I think what you're referencing is uh, maybe an incident that happened between us, uh, in college. Is that what this question's really getting at? I'm not referencing anything. I'm referencing that I feel like he's changed you a ton since we first met and yeah. became friends. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 uh, I think, uh, I think, I think he's, I, I think he's grown me in patience, uh, in, in, empathy uh i i'm not a feeler type of person at all i say it like it is and i was probably very harsh and brash at times yeah i just he softened you up yeah yeah certainly and and he boy he gave me a wife that will keep me that way there's a reason why i said god gave me the answer to all my prayers because i uh, prayed for patience for a long time and and to be a little bit more feely or at least sensitive sensitive is probably the right word yeah so and you, you are, it's been cool to see even in your words and the way that you express things, you're way more likely to, to text us and tell us in person that how you feel, how you feel about Alex and I, when we got married, your speech at our wedding and even just your, I don't, yeah, I can't think of another word besides soften you that sounds bad. But I don't think it is because he wants us to be gentle. That's mm-hmm. one of the fruits of the spirit. And I mm-hmm. think he has, I've visibly gotten to see you become more gentle. You are still assertive and confident in Christ and who he's made you to be. So soft gets a bad connotation, but I, I see you, his gentle spirit in you, Amar, which is really sweet. Merciful, merciful and uh, gracious is certainly a great way to put it. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Tell us. A typical day in the life of Caleb, start to finish. No one feel bad about their day after hearing about Caleb. Well, uh, <laughs> to me, um, my day starts the night before. Um, my week starts on Sunday night. Um, 
for me, I've I've always been an early to bed, early to rise kid. Uh, growing up in a huge family, huge extended family, lots of sleepovers growing up, and uh, I was always the first kid to go to sleep. I hardly ever made it past midnight. I don't know why. Um, I just that's just how I've always been. So, uh, you know, I like to be in bed certainly before ten o'clock. You know, ideally around nine nine fifteen, and I'm asleep by nine thirty. Alarm usually goes off right around five o'clock um, and then uh, start working out. So I like to start my day working out and just getting after it. And honestly, one thing that's, I didn't always used to do that actually. Uh, In college, we didn't have morning workouts. Uh, That's a discipline that I started uh, two or three years ago. A friend by uh, the name of Casey Real asked me to work out in the morning uh, one time. I was like, bro, I do not want to do that. And uh, that's one of the that's one of the most life-changing things that I've I've ever made an adjustment for uh, because after that when I when I get a chance to sit down and read God's word my mind's alert. I remember mm-hmm. when I first when I first became a professional like like working um, probably for the first year or so year and a half um, was when I was I, I didn't work out before work I would work out after work and there was times man where I, it was a grind to even have a clue what I was reading. Uh, I remember texting Casey one of the first, you know, times that we had gotten done working out in the morning, you know, right after I'd gotten done reading. And I was like, man, this is going to be a game changer for me. I like, I'm alert. My body and my mind are up mm. and, uh, and I can pay attention to what's going on. So, um, uh, yeah, after I work out, uh, spend a little time in God's word and, and prayer, uh, COVID has been nice to me because it gives me a little bit extra time, uh, <laughs> not having to drive to work. Um, so a little bit extra time in, 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 uh, studying and, and prayer and then, uh, work eight o'clock, um, eight to five. Um, and then, uh, whatever's going on in the evening, whether it's a, I don't know, sporting event or church gathering or friends or family. Um, so yeah. What is the best advice you've ever gotten? <clears throat> this was, this one was hard for me. Um, and, uh, I still don't, I still don't know necessarily know if, um, I have a good answer to this question. Yeah. I, I had a really hard time thinking on this and I, I don't really ever have, I've never really had a, uh, one thing, like a one liner yeah. that somebody that, that's like really stuck with me. You um, probably have a thousand. <laughs> yeah. It's it, honestly, I, I don't really remember too many people like saying something to me, like, like my dad, like, Hey son, uh, never drink and drive or, you know, a coach saying, you know, whatever it's, it's what's stuck with me more is, um, moments where somebody embodies something that they, that they talk about. Um, Mm -hmm. and honestly, it's, it's a lot of times when somebody's just in the middle of saying something random and you pick up on that, you know, I referenced my time in Xenia, Ohio, and that guy saying, I want my son to have nothing more Mm -hmm. than a boring testimony. There's no chance that guy remembers even saying that. And I don't even remember what the guy's name is. Yeah. Uh, so I can't even find him on Facebook. I'm going to show up someday in heaven and be like, hey, dude, you made such an impact on me. And wow. he's going to be like, I don't even remember saying that. Wow. Um, so the best advice I've ever been given is in moments like that. That's awesome. What is one habit that has changed your life? Uh, I mean, that's that's easily reading, reading God's word every morning. Um, I've talked about that a lot already. Um, hands down, read God's word every single morning uh, and spend time after that praying. Um, 
And like I said, I would call that more of a discipline than a habit. So any new habits you're currently trying to cultivate? Uh, yeah, Maddie will like this one. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to smile more. Yeah. Uh, I, I, people have always, uh, criticized or questioned if I, if I ever smile, um, people have, uh, you know, my, my, one of my first bosses at work would always ask me, Hey, are you doing all right? Are you doing all right? Are you doing all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. Stop, you know, stop asking. It's like, you got to smile more. Um, uh, smiling it, uh, it's good for your hormones. It's good for your metabolism. It's good for your, your just your mood. Um, and then breathing, uh, conscious breathing. Um, when we start working too fast, when we start thinking too fast, uh, we're in such a fast paced world nowadays. If we could just slow down and do some dedicated, uh, just co- uh, cognizant, focused breathing it slows our body and mind down to be able to not get so wound up during the day yeah so that's good tell us about your beautiful lovely wife Alyssa, and just kind of that fun story of how you guys met um and then kind of share a little bit about just kind of expectations versus reality and what surprised you most about marriage since i mean you got married in this last january Yeah. yeah yeah um so we, how we met, uh, we, uh, we did not know each other. Uh, we didn't even really have a mutual friend. Really the only mutual connection that we had was, uh, one of Alyssa's sisters, college, uh, friends, uh, was a coworker with my younger brother, Sam, um, and kind of knew my family and, uh, it was a blind date. So we went on this blind date to, uh, Jurassic putt, uh, played some putt putt together and, uh, uh, she was not on Facebook. Uh, she actually deact- had her Facebook deactivated at the time. So I didn't even know what she looked like. Uh, and when she walked in, I was like, boy, I sure hope that's her. Mm. And, uh, uh, and I, I really did say that. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so that's how we met. And, um, I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty obvious, uh, from the, I mean, you met her, what, two weeks after I had met her. Yeah. And it was probably and took your first photo. Who's yeah, surprised? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, expectations versus reality about marriage and relationships. Uh, Wait, tell us about her. What's, what's oh, she oh like? yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, Alyssa is, um, she is incredibly sweet and, and, and patient and caring. She's a counselor. Uh, so mm-hmm. she's a counselor at Gretna High School. Uh, really, um, I, I can't say it any, any better. She's very motherly, mm-hmm. uh, very cultivating and, 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 and caring and, uh, and gentle and, uh, really does a great job of keeping me in check when I start to, you know, be too much truth, 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 truth. <laughs> you know, when we're going to have, when we have kids someday, I'm, you know, I will definitely be the law and she'll definitely be grace. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Um, so, um, she, uh, she's, um, you know, she thinks that she's too much of a people pleaser. Uh, I think that's great because that's what I prayed for. Cause I knew I would need something, somebody like that. <laughs> You're the opposite. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't care what people think about me. Uh, probably not, I probably should. I, that's probably one of the ways that I've grown actually over the last eight or nine years is I, I, I do more. actually care about what people think about me. Not because they, a healthy amount, not because they yeah. shape my identity. Yeah. I don't care what they think about me in terms of ultimate decisions about yeah. me because that, that belongs to God. Yeah. But I do care about what they think of me because mm-hmm. that affects the way I can evangelize minister, to them yeah. and minister to them. Totally. Um, so Alyssa helps me in that aspect. She, uh, 
she grew up has an, has an amazing family too. She's the youngest sibling. Um, her dad, uh, married us great family. He's a pastor in Lincoln. Um, uh, she played volleyball and basketball in high school. Uh, I think she played one year of volleyball at Grace university. Um, so, um, She's amazing. Yeah, she's, she's just solid. She's wonderful. She's everything. Literally, when we first met, I remember after her leaving, us hanging out for the first time. Alex and I are like, "Are you joking me?" Like, yeah. literally more than which doesn't he do that? Immeasurably more than you could ever ask yeah. or imagine. The Lord gave you the most amazing wife. Yeah, me. that was that was kind of a that was kind of the verse of of the season leading up to meeting Alyssa was immeasurably more than, than you can ask or imagine. And so we have each other saved on our phones as, as three twenty, uh, mm-hmm. which is Ephesians three twenty. Um, Love that. If, if anybody can speak to how, uh, God has answered uh, my prayers in, in the form of Alyssa, it would be, it would be Maddie because, uh, I don't know of any, too many other women that I have as close a relationship to as you through Alex, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can definitely speak to that. Not that that's what this is about, but. Oh, no, she's, she's amazing. And it was one of those things where you're like, no, seriously, how did God answer every single thing on his list? Yeah. Like it was insane. And we're like, of course God did that. Just, yeah, just so much fun to see you guys um, this last year and a half of meeting and then getting married. And yeah, what's, what's your expectations versus reality? What surprised you the most? Yeah. So. Uh, this might be a, a bit of a um, different take and maybe unexpected. Um, and, and maybe we're still in the honeymoon phase, but uh, man, everybody talked about how the first year of ma- marriage was the worst and the hardest. Um, and, and uh, you know, growing up with great parents and Alyssa having great, great parents, I know that marriage is hard work. I've heard that my whole life. I've seen it. Um, uh, it's come very naturally to us. So it's almost it's almost been a little surprising at how not hard it's been at times. Not that I not that I know it's not going to be hard at times, mm-hmm. but uh, I just I was I was always really disappointed when when other men, oftentimes not believers, um, but even some believers, you know, when they talk about their wives, they talk about their marriage. Oh man, the old ball and chain, or oh man, it's you know it is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, they never talked about it positively. It was yeah. they were just kind of floating through life with it. Um, and, uh, and so unfortunately I had a, it was probably more of a fear than, uh, an expectation, um, that it was going to be really, really hard. And oftentimes people say that your first mar- year of marriage is really, really hard. We've not had, you know, huge blowups by any means. So hopefully that, you know, God. that continues. Um, I don't know. Uh, um, what surprised me most about marriage, uh, that without a doubt is, uh, managing money together. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said earlier, we, uh, we, we met and got married a little later on in life. So a lot of my financial, uh, decisions, uh, I never had to run through anybody else. Uh, she never had to run through anybody else. Right. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a 27, 28 year old yeah. single professional with my own house and, if I want to spend money on something or not spend money on something, I don't got to ask nobody. It's all, it's just, yeah. I just, I, it's all me. Yeah. Uh, and same for Alyssa. And so now all of a sudden, uh, you know, we're married and, uh, you know, my wife wants to buy a rug and I want to, <laughs> I want to not, I want to buy, uh, 
you know, a, a new toy or whatever, whatever it is. Uh, you know, we, we spent a lot of money on building a garage gym this summer. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, without a doubt, uh, that has surprised me most is, is handling money together. Do you feel like you guys are finding your rhythm in that or what, what has been, have you gotten good advice when? Yeah. That? Yeah, certainly. Uh, I would say, um, probably about May or June is when we really felt like we'd, we'd met, hit our stride. Uh, we mm-hmm. took financial piece at university together. Uh, I had never taken the class. Alyssa had never taken it. Obviously we'd heard amazing things growing up in the church, but it was just not something that we had ever done. So we figured it'd be a good thing to do together. And, um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely have a getting a handle on it and feel like we're, we got a good handle on it. But, uh, yeah, that was just something that I just didn't think would be that, that hard, but yeah. it just, it, it, it was and, and has been. What has the Lord taught you through this less than a year of marriage? What's something that he's been sanctifying you and maybe and teaching you? Yeah, I would say, um, first of all, our, our first year of marriage is a little unique um in that five weeks after we got married uh the world shut down uh so uh you know when i when i tell people that you know i, I remember talking to my uncle at uh at uh, labor day he he was saying you know boy for some couples like like me and your aunt uh that would have been terrible uh mm-hmm. if we would have been stuck together for uh you know the first six or eight months of our our marriage um and so for us, it was, you know, I, I think it was probably a, a good thing because we got a chance to see each other a lot and uh, get to know each yeah. other a lot. Because, I mean, when we got married, we didn't even know each other for a year. Yeah. So um, it was definitely a blessing to continue to fast forward our relationship together in terms of years and experience within a time frame that that usually wouldn't have been able to happen. Yeah. Um, uh, so what has the Lord taught me through this last year of marriage? I, honestly, it would just be more about getting to know Alyssa more and, and to see the, the, not the, not, I don't really like when pastors or teachers say this, but the mother heart of God, the, the woman heart of God. Um, but, but, but the attributes that a lot of women, specifically my wife, uh, embody that, uh, that I don't embody and that, mm. um, you know, being out of the house for several years, you know, didn't see in my mom anymore. Mm. Uh, and even my mom, she would probably be, you know, the first to tell you and my dad would that a lot of the characteristics are kind of reversed in my parents. Mm. My dad can sometimes be a little bit more grace and my mom can sometimes be a little bit more truth, mm-hmm. uh, when disciplining and teaching us. Uh, so, um, it's just the different side of, of God and his attributes, cool. uh, that's just not your typical, uh, boy that is a competitor and want, likes to, you know, rough and tough. Yeah. So and that has three younger brothers that still, when we get together and people that aren't used to us, uh, observe our stupid games that we play and just, yeah. so anyway, yeah. What is something you feel like you understand differently about Jesus after being married? Without a doubt, it's grace. Uh, without a doubt. Uh, growing up in the church, um, being like, a, like I said, feel, being feeling like I identify way more with the, the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son. Um, it's really hard for me, uh, and it has been hard for me, to see 
my salvation truly, truly, truly as something that has is only because of God's grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's very, very, very tangible for me now when I'm an idiot and I screw up for Alyssa to pour out her grace on me, on me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and me getting a chance to do that to her, yeah. you know, being a single dude as a, you know, a grown up for eight, nine years, you know, you don't really, you know, I, when you're roommates with other dudes that are your age, you don't, I mean, shout out Colin. Yeah. You don't really, yeah, Colin, uh, you don't really, I, I don't know. You don't really do that with each other. It's just not a guy thing to do. Uh, so without a doubt, it's, it's grace, both giving and receiving. That's awesome. Have you and Alyssa been able to find some rhythms together to be pr- pursuing Christ together? And if yes, what are they? Yeah. Um, you know, for, for us, uh, Alyssa is very similar to me. She's an early to better, early to rise. It was very funny when I, uh, when we had, when we were texting back and forth before we had even officially met, she would, she, she was saying that she works out in the morning and, and works out with friends. And I'm like, well, that's kind of, you know, that it was, it was just another one of those things that was like almost too good to be true. Um, so she's an early to better, early to riser. So I, I know that for young married couples going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time can be a challenge and really a huge point of tension. That's really not for us at all. In fact, if anything, my wife likes to go to bed earlier than I do Mm -hmm. uh, because she has to be at work a little bit earlier. So um, rhythms has definitely been something that has been a little bit easier for us Um, in terms of pursuing the Lord together. um, There's really nothing better than being able to read God's word together uh, Mm -hmm. in the morning. Uh, even if it's just for 15 or 20 minutes. Um, and, uh, that's something special. And I, I want, you know, I want to be able to have our kids see us do that someday. So, um, yeah. That's awesome. And even just to touch on going to bed at the same time, that was one thing when I asked my dad before we got married, like, what is a piece of advice you have? He, without a a doubt said, go to bed at the same time. And just encouraging young couples, if you're listening to this, make it a priority to go to bed at the same time. Because when you don't, when someone stays up later and someone goes to bed, you miss out on so much of that, just like quality pillow talk conversation, that cuddle time, that, um, that one-on-one time that you're just going to miss out on years and years of if you don't make that a priority. So Alex and I have also made that a priority. And that's just been a really sweet rhythm that we know that's a priority for us. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. So going back to singleness, you just met your wife at almost 27. She was 28. And I know, cause I've been close to you for a long time that you totally desired to be married and to meet your spouse for a long time. So how did you grow with Christ through that season of singleness? Boy, that was, uh, that was, um, I'm really, really thankful for, for that season. Um, because one of the things that I feel called to and have always felt called to even before I had met Alyssa was marriage and family ministry. And you can't really do that if you're not married and don't have a family. But one of the things that I knew God was using and and working in me, even while I was still single was that young men that are going through this single season now, uh, are, they're going to, the way that culture is going, 
people are getting married at an older and older age. It's, it's pretty rare for people to get married when they're 22, 23. So by God's goodness, he gave me the gift of not being married until I was a little bit older. And so in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, when I get a chance to speak to a 28, 29, 30-year-old professional single dude who owns a house and uh, is looking for a wife and struggling with where the heck is she, um, I'm going to be able to relate. Um, because a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the people that were in my life, um, that I grew up with, uh, they got married when they were 22 or 23. And so I didn't really have anybody that I could look up to that I knew kind of went through the same thing I did. Um, so, um, now in that God really challenged me to not look at marriage as an idol. Hmm. We can make marriage an idol. You can make your spouse an idol. Yeah. Um, and so, the idolatry of a relationship and being infatuated with God, where is she? Mm-hmm. And listen, I'll be the first to admit, you know, going to a church with a lot of young adults and meeting somebody for the first time and you're like, could this be it? And it's yeah. like, and I, and I go home and God be like, don't do that. Yeah. Like that's completely disrespectful to yourself and her. Um, so um, uh, I'm very, very thankful that I was an adult and a single adult. Uh, there's not too many people that get the chance to be a single adult, um, at least that, that, you know, try to pursue the Lord at the same time. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the journey that God brought me through in, in my, in my season and pathway up leading up to marriage. And isn't that so true in all of the seasons that he has us suffer in that you get out of it? Obviously it's terrible when you're in it or longing for something else, but you get out of it and you're you now can relate on a different level to someone. So if that's the reason that he wanted you, Caleb Polensky, to walk through that season, because he knows you're going to minister and you have a heart for young men, um, that you now actually can relate to them. Because if you haven't been through someone's season, you can try to speak into it. Obviously, you can encourage them with scripture and you can pray for them and be there for them, obviously. But there's nothing like having someone by your side that says, no, I walked through this. God carried me through this. Yeah. And here's what I learned from it. Yeah. Yeah. I was just reading. I was just reading Romans 5, 1 through Romans 5 today. And Romans 5, 1 through 5 talks about uh, uh, that we're justified by faith. Uh, we now have access to God uh, in this grace in which we now stand. Uh, and then it says uh, that um, uh, we should rejoice in our uh, sufferings because sufferings bring perseverance, which then bring, uh, um, they bring something that then brings, uh, character, which then brings hope. Um, and so, um, man, trials and tribulations and suffering. And I, I don't know if I'd call my singleness yeah. season yeah. of suffering, but just a, a hiccup and just yeah. not the way that I an would've. uncomfy season. Yeah. The way that yeah. I wouldn't have drawn it up. So Okay, what advice do you have for someone listening to this who is also single and longing for that season of marriage? I know you touched on not making it yeah. an idol, but maybe you have some other advice. For Just it. don't compromise. Mm. Don't compromise. Don't compromise your trust in God. Don't compromise uh, what you know, even what you're looking for. Um, don't compromise in what the world you know. The world says it's okay to compromise. Um, uh, the, we had a guest speaker at church yesterday. He said, uh, love gives, lust receives. Um, mm. 
marriage and relationship is all about giving, giving, giving. It's really, really hard to continue to give, give, give of yourself when you're single. Uh, but what I will say, and, and as somebody who was single when I was, you know, being able to be part of a church plant, uh, when Paul talks about not being, he says a little nicer than this, but not being distracted by uh, your, your wife, uh, so that you can focus on the ministry needs of the church. Um, uh, and that those who are married have a duty to their wife, uh, that does distract them a little bit. Again, he says it a little nicer than that. I forget which book that is. I think it might be Ephesians, but I, I could be wrong. Anyway, uh, for somebody that's, that's longing for that single, that season of marriage, I would say find ways to give of yourself now because marriage and love is all about giving. It's all about sacrifice. And so if you don't have ways to, to, to sacrifice and give of yourself now, it's going to be all me, 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 me. And all your marriage is going to be is me, 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 me. And marriages don't last like that because it ain't about you. It's about, it's, it's a constant race to the back of the line. Yeah. (laughs) That's good. So for single women out there, what should they be looking for in a man slash spouse and why? Um, boy, I just, um, I know how close it is to the female heart to be wanted and to be, to feel like, um, you're, you're needed and desired. Um, what do you, what should you be looking for? Look for a man that's described in scripture. Uh, um, uh, not a man that's perfect. D- David was a man after God's own heart, but this dude, he, he was a murderer and, and he, uh, you know, he looked lustfully on, upon Bathsheba, but David was humble enough to, to humble himself before the Lord. Mm-hmm. David was a man of repentance. Uh, John the Baptist came preaching a baptism of repentance. Uh, if you want to know what revival looks like, uh, read a couple of verses before any time revival is talked about and re- repentance mm. is, is, is talked about. So look for a man, not that's perfect. Uh, I'm not perfect. No man's perfect. Look for a man who's humble enough to get on their knees, cry out to God and say, mm. God, I, I, you know, Jesus talked about, uh, the, the man who, uh, would beat his breast and pray, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And the other guy said, God, thank you that I'm not like this tax collector who's a lion cheating, you know, son of a gun. Um, Jesus said not to be like that guy. He said to be like the guy that says, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm. Um, so look for a man that is humble, uh, that, uh, is, is teachable, uh, and that treats you the way that you ought to be treated. Um, did you know, that woman is the crescendo of creation. Everything and the whole, if you go back and look at Genesis, the way that creation, um, kind of, uh, it, 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 not, I, I use the word evolves, uh, not literally meaning evolution. Mm-hmm. If you look at the way that creation evolves in the way that God created things, it starts off very generally the heavens and the earth, uh, day and night, morning, evening, uh, plants, but then as you get to each day, each, if you think about the things that each day entailed, there was much more detail and intricacy and, and, and if I may thought that went involved, obviously God spoke the world into being and spoke creation and being, but, um, and so what am I getting at? Girl, you are, you are the crescendo. Mm-hmm. You are the climax of creation. Um, and so there's a reason why, uh, 
women are beautiful and you know, men aren't, uh, in John Eldridge, uh, he wrote wild at heart, uh, very popular man's book. Um, and, uh, he, 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 uh, one time, I don't know if this was in that book or if I was reading an article by him or, or whatever. Um, but he said, he said, there's a reason why, um, their most statues depicting naked people are, uh, women and not men. It's because women are attractive and, and beautiful. Don't let, don't let a boy corrupt that. Uh, if they're just, if they're just trying to show attention in you for what they can get, just like we've been talking about the whole time, that is not what love or relationship is all about. It's, uh, it, it, and so, um, you know, we talk about compromise. If he ain't willing to wait, if he's willing to compromise mm. that before you're married, he ain't the one. Yeah. What does living on mission in your day to day look like? Um, for me, uh, I run a team at work. Uh, and, uh, and what that means is number one, being a great steward of what God's called me to right now. And that's being a great manager at work. So that means being a great employee. That means being a, a, a high character manager. It means mm-hmm. leading my team with integrity and having their best interest at heart. Uh, beyond that, it means that when, th- that when conversations turn quote unquote religious or could turn quote unquote religious, I jump on that opportunity. And, and I, and trust me, I, I missed one on Friday. I'm still beating myself up about. Um, but when we, if we're going to pray for the people that we work with to have opportunities to, to, to witness to them, God, I know that I am the epistle that you have sent to this person. Mm-hmm. Give me an opportunity. If we don't take advantage of that opportunity, boy, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. And like I just said, I, I mean, I, I mess up at that. Yeah. Um, but it's, 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 it's anticipating when you're going to have opportunities to pour into people. Um, so it's, uh, it starts with, it starts with the way you pray in the morning. Hey God, uh, you know, if you give me an open door or an opportunity to witness to John today, uh, give me a chance and let me, uh, take advantage of it and give me the strength, Holy Spirit to walk through that door and that mm-hmm. you would be glorified. Yeah. So I know we've talked about this before, but share about how you feel called at least now to corporate America and not vocational ministry currently, even though you're obviously super involved at your church and what encouragement do you have for those who possibly are feeling the same that sometimes, you know, you have that feeling of if I'm not in the church working vocationally, then maybe it doesn't matter or, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel this, this calling, um, to be, uh, uh, in, in, in the, in the corporate world, in the workplace. And I don't really know why. I don't know if there's a reason why I just do. Um, and, uh, what I can say is that it, 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 it get, what it's given me right now in my current role at church is a good level of, uh, of not exactly, but an outsider's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because I get a chance to lead in a high capacity, both at church and work. And so I get to see how it's done both ways, both highly successful organizations in, in what their mission is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, uh, in being blessed with the task of running our small group ministry at church, uh, it has given me, uh, 
opportunities to take what I've learned at Builder Trend and, uh, yeah, apply them to ministry and vice versa. Um, so, um, if for no other reason than that, that's why, um, what encouragement do I, do I have for those that, that, that feel the same? Um, I just say that not everybody's called to be a pastor. Not everybody's called to be, you know, the executive vice president of business operations or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm not, by the way, uh, mm-hmm. not even close. Um, uh, all I know is that we all have a, we all have an assignment on planet earth. Uh, and that's really, that really goes back to the core of, of what the, the, the question that's haunted humanity from the beginning. Why am I here? Mm-hmm. Why am I here? Well, you're here for a reason. And, uh, there's an assignment that God's given you, not just to know him, but to carry out an assignment on the earth. And if your assignment is to go into full-time ministry, then do it. If your assignment is to not be in full-time ministry, but be very actively involved, like I feel God's called me to, then do it. Do it with the best of your ability and do it all into glory, all into God's glory. So, That's awesome. Who has been the most influential person in your walk with Jesus? <clears throat> well, um, most certainly my parents, my dad, my mom. Um, I mean, Proverbs 22, I think six says train up a child in the way they ought to go. And in the old, they will not depart when they're old, they will not depart. Mm. Um, so I really wouldn't do this question justice if I didn't answer it that way. Um, so I've been blessed to have my, my biological father, both be my spiritual father as well. Uh, now I would say one of my, to say it, it, it you know, incorrectly one of my spiritual stepfathers or other godfathers i guess would be pastor jesse uh like i said youth pastor now my lead pastor uh super huge influence on me for many many years um both great men of god humble you know i talk about being men of humility and 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 repentance and being and not being afraid to to admit when they screwed up Mm. uh it's one of the the most refreshing things that we do every year for church is we have a men's conference every july and we write we write on our burdens, uh, which we burn at the very end. We write things that we're struggling with and that we're, that, 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 or that, that God's working in us or sins or whatever. And Pastor Jesse's always the first, the first night of men's conference. He always, he he tees it up and then he writes on his board first and he shows everybody before he ever challenges anybody to write wow. on, on their board. Um, awesome. so, um, those two men, without a doubt. What is your favorite family tradition? The Polensky clan. Yeah, well, growing up was definitely team fam- dominate. Yeah, yeah, team dominate. Uh, growing up was definitely family dinners. Uh, mm. There's for those of you that have a family or want to have a family someday. Um, I can be I, I can firsthand attest to how powerful family dinners are. Um, they just give you a chance to. Even if your kids hate it, I'm sure there was times when I hated it and my parents, you know, didn't want to do it either because we all had bad attitudes, but you got to do it anyway. Um, uh, family dinners, super impactful. Uh, and then, I mean, now, uh, would probably be Nebraska football Saturdays. Uh, I have a huge family, um, uh, not just immediate, but extended. And, uh, it's always cool to see, uh, see them and how God's working in and moving in their lives too. So why do you think the family dinners were so impactful for you? It just, you know, it, it, it gave my parents a firsthand opportunity to speak into the day-to-day mm-hmm. aspects of our life. Hey, how, how was school today? Well, it was terrible. Well, I was a terrible, 
ah, because this, you know, the kid I was sitting next to was a jerk. And then boom, there's a, there's a discipling teaching moment. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, what does the Bible say about this? Mm. The world's going to hate you because it first hated me. You are not to be in the world or you, you are to be in the world, but not of it. Um, your assignment is not just to go to school. It's to, you know, maybe that kid has a, has a terrible home life and mm. maybe you're the one that he was lashing out. Maybe it ain't even, it's not even personal. You're just having a bad day. And maybe your smile and your love is going to ch- turn that kid's not just day around, but life around. Mm. Um, it, it was that it was, they were actively involved in our day to day life. It, it, we didn't go weeks on end without our parents knowing what was going on, even though we would like to think that. So. Yeah. Jim and Dee Dee, they're the real deal. I, I hope to have them on the podcast someday. <laughs> I'm sure they'd love to come on. Okay. I know you're super passionate about calling up men to what God has called them to. Can you share just a little bit about this burden that you have with young men or they could be older, but mostly young men? And what encouragement do you have for young men that are listening to this? Yeah. Um, you know, this is a recent revelation that God's really brought to me and, and, um, the Bible says pretty much from start to finish several times uh, that God is a father to the fatherless. But have you noticed that he doesn't ever say that he's a mother to the motherless mm-hmm. or that, you know, that you know, we Americans talk about, you know, World War II bringing a fatherless generation. Oh, this is a fatherless generation. Solomon said that there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. And so We've had fatherless generations. You know, I even get goosebumps thinking about it. Since the beginning of time. If 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 you're listening to this and you need to know one thing, it's that my dad had the, the greatest impact on me ever. And the reason why I am the way that I am, without a doubt. Oh, it's time for Caleb to go home to bed. <laughs> that's my that's my nightly alarm <laughs> to wrap things up. Um the reason why I am what why I am and eighty to ninety percent of what, what I could credit anybody to would be to my dad. Uh, so why do I feel called to, uh, men and young men? It's because there's a fatherless generation out there. God's called us to be a father to the fatherless. The Bible says that God is a father to the fatherless. Well, like I said at the beginning, God rarely does anything on this, on this earth, uh, absent of human beings. So, uh, there's men out there that need a dad, a father figure, a spiritual father. Um, and, uh, if God uses me that way, then, you know, praise him. If you could go back and tell your 18 year old self, anything, what would it be? Uh, it's that you're going to get married someday and you don't need to worry about it. Uh, um, and you're going to be just fine. Uh, uh, you know, in terms of that, that burden of marriage and family ministry, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, what my 18 year old self would have wanted some, you know, somebody to tell me in terms of baseball, it was that, uh, you don't need to worry about making mistakes, playing ball. Um, your life's going to end up being great with or without baseball. So just go out and have fun. It's a kid's game and play it for as long as you can. What is your ideal and perfect day? Well, uh, I would say this last Saturday was, uh, and it was one of, uh, one of those, uh, got a chance to work out in the morning, um, got after it in my garage gym and then watched Nebraska football and then, uh, spent some time with my brother and cousin, my brothers and cousin playing tennis, uh, playing a tennis league. We won the state championships. So we're going down to Wichita, Kansas here soon. Let's go. So, um, a day, a day kind of like that, a lot of activity, you know, I, I, and I, I talk about, I talk about Saturdays. 
Um, I have this thought on the Sabbath. Uh, there, 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 there's two words that get translated to work. Um, one was adova and the other one was milak. Um, one of them, uh, is more so speaking to the day-to-day operations of just your life, putting your shoes on, brushing your teeth, making, you know, making, making dinner. The other one is more to, um, your business related work. So when God told Israel and the children of Israel to Sabbath, he was talking about taking a rest from business related work. So for me, somebody who sits at a computer all day, doesn't do anything, uh, act active for my job. What's restful for me is to be as active as possible physically mm. for somebody, uh, like my cousin, Eli, who's a construction worker and works his tail off physically. Mm-hmm. One of the best ways he can work rest on Saturday is to sit around and play video games while he's got four kids. So, you know, just lay around and, you know, probably wrestle with his kids a little bit. Um, but rest for him looks a heck of a lot different than it does mm. for me. What is something God is currently teaching you? Um, man, I, I would say, you know, this kind of goes back to the marriage question, Grace. Um, I, uh, Grace is, Grace is, uh, really actually, it's, it's a, it's a offensive and uh, scary concept because when you've earned something, you, there's no, uh, skepticism or second guessing, right? If you've earned punishment, once you've received it, you're satisfied. Uh, once you've, uh, if you've earned a reward and once you've received it, you're satisfied because you earned it and nobody can, dispute that when you receive what you don't deserve in the form of grace, that's dangerous because at any point God, he, he doesn't do this, but in our humanness, we think that he could manipulate us or punish us. And the first story that I noticed that it, this in was this, the story of Joseph, uh, his brothers, um, um, they come down, they, they're looking to buy food in Egypt and they, and they don't bring, uh, um, their brother Benjamin with him. Well, when, uh, the story's a little fuzzy to me right now, but at one point, I know they go back a couple times. Uh, there's this, there's Joseph's cup that's left in one of the sacks. And I think it was in Benjamin's sack and, uh, and, and they come back. And that's when Joseph reveals himself to him and they're all really sketched out and they're like, whoa, 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 like, why are you blessing us? He actually blessed them before he revealed himself. Uh, they're like, whoa, whoa, like, I don't, like, we can't receive this. Like, don't give it to us because they knew that something that they didn't deserve was an opportunity for him to then gotcha later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so grace is a very, is, is it's very attractive, but uh, for somebody like me, who's very cause and effect, reap what you sow. It can be um, it can be really scary because I can't attribute anything to mm. to it, and therefore it's like, all right, God, are you going to double cross me here? Mm. So, yeah. So he's reminding you daily and showing you that he's not going to do that. Yeah. Or do you feel like you're still wrestling through that? Well, I mean, I'm a human, so I'll be wrestling through that For- my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> What is a piece of scripture that the Lord has been using to encourage, convict, or exhort you with lately? 
Um, honestly, well, I mean, obviously, it's got to be the one that I've been talking about a lot. Uh, we are a letter of recommendation on behalf of, of the Lord. We are we are his epistle. Um, it's for, I think it's 2 Corinthians 2. It's, it, it's one of the Corinthians early chapters, early verses. I don't remember exactly the reference. But we are God's letter of recommendation. It says that it, 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 it says, that's what it says. It says, as though God were making his letter of recommendation to the world mm. through you. Um, and so we, if we're the only living, breathing, walking Bible that people are ever going to read, what kind of Bible are they going to read? So that's, that's what he's, that's what he's encouraging, convicting me and exhorting me with. That's awesome. How can anyone listening to this be specifically praying for you right now in this season? Um, honestly, would just be uh, our our future family. We want to have kids. Uh, we're not quite there, but we're really, really close. I'd love to be pregnant by this time next year so that God would bless us with kids. Hopefully Alyssa will be, not you. Yeah, Alyssa, for sure. Yeah. That's exciting. So, yeah. All right, Cap. Well, I'm so thankful that you'd come on today. You Hold again. On, can, I, can I say one? Can yeah, I say can. one more thing? Just one more thing. Just I, I want this to bless you guys. Um, one of the one of the books that I listened to this year was The Logic of God by Robbie Zacharias. Um, Robbie Zacharias was a Christian apologist who just passed away this year. I don't remember which chapter of the book that it was, but uh, he talks about he talks about his 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 testimony a lot. He he was born in India. At 18 years old, he tried to commit suicide. Uh, on his hospital bed, a minister came up and just handed him a Bible and said to read. I don't know if he said to read a specific chapter in John or the book of John, but there, Ravi Zacharias's verse was, because I live, you live. I think it's John 17, 22. I think John 17, I could be wrong there, but the verse says, because I live, you live. One of the chapters later on in the book, he talks about the impacts that we make on people. And, uh, I don't remember the, the, that minister's name, but, uh, towards the end of his life, uh, he, he was, he called Ravi one day and said, uh, Ravi, I just want you to know that when I am struggling, when I question myself, when I wonder if I've made any impact in this world, I think about, I think about you. And I think about that. I was the guy that got the chance to give you the Bible mm. that brought you to, to Christ and look at what you've done in the world. And so if for no other reason, but to give you a Bible was I created. And that was the only purpose God gave me on this earth mm. was to hand you a Bible when you were on your deathbed. He said, when I think about that, it brings me great comfort. And when I think about Alex and when I think about you guys being married now and this podcast and your ministry. When I think about God, have I made any impact on anybody? That's, that's the first thing I go to. Mm. I think of, man, I had a chance to be an epistle to this kid who was anything but uh, a follower of Jesus when I first met him. And now he's an incredible dad. I was just watching him. It was funny before we were recording this incredible dad. Watching him play with Xander, uh, just the kind of dad that you know I, I want to be someday. Um, if I ever question myself, if I if I've made any impact mm. in this world, he's the first guy I think of. Mm. And and your guys' marriage and your guys' family. Mm. So this podcast is just another one of those 
jewels in the crown of your guys's impact in this world. So mm-hmm. it brings me great comfort that I could play a little part. Mm. That means so much to us. Cap, you mean so much to us. Um, I'm so grateful that you would come on the podcast. We could talk forever and ever. I could listen to you talk forever and ever. Um, I'm so grateful that you are a lifer. You're one of our best friends and you're like family to us. And yeah, like I said earlier, I'm eternally grateful for the impact that you've had on us. So thanks for being with us today. Yeah, it it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Guys, does this dude have wisdom or what? I hope that you were so encouraged by Caleb today. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the Sunny 65 podcast. As always, I would love to hear from you. So feel free to email me at sunnyin65podcast at gmail.com to connect. Friends, go be bold and love big. And we will see you next time. Bye.